What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 71 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Corey, after week six, we knew coming into it, we were having one of the best games potentially of the year. I don't know if I would say it lived up to the hype. It was still an awesome game between the Chiefs and the Bills. We'll get into that a little later. There were some other great games on Sunday, featured some really good comebacks, as well as some upsets that I think going into the week, a lot of people would have been surprised to see some of these teams at the top of the NFC really continue to struggle. So, yeah, I'm excited to get into it, kind of give our takes a third of the way through the season on where we see teams. Because, you know what I mean, we could say early in the year through three weeks, uh, yeah, maybe it's still a little early. We're a third of the season. Like, you kind of know what you're getting. I don't want to say know exactly what you're getting at this point, but you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, six games through is like a decent sample size to be like – yeah, maybe this team's for real. Maybe this team's just not good. Like, yeah, in that Bills-Chiefs game, I think it was a really good game. I think when you see those two offenses, maybe we're hoping for a little more points. But overall, I thought it was a really good game. I mean, both teams showed good defensive ability. But, hey, we'll get we'll get into that. Yeah, let, let's get this going. Yeah, of course. First, I'm going to be a little bit biased. We're going to start in New York with the Giants who erased a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit and beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-20. to I'll start real quick with the Ravens before I go on to the Giants. The Baltimore Ravens are 3-3, three and three, and I think the stat was that they've now traveled for only 120 seconds of game time, which is just absurd. I mean, you got to put teams away in a sense. Now this is the, this is the third time now that they've blown a double-digit lead with Buffalo early in the year and Miami both being at home. And now the Giants, and especially we were kind of talking about this, the AFC outside of Kansas City and Buffalo – like, there's clearly, like, people, like, who's the third best team? It's unknown. I think me and you both came to an agreement that it probably is Baltimore, but you got to you gotta put these games away. Like, I think if Baltimore puts two of these three teams away, you could maybe start talking Baltimore into maybe that. I don't want to say into that tier because I think that's maybe a little bit unfair, but maybe, maybe you could. But when you're going to let teams like the Giants, and yes, the Giants are 5-1 and one now, they're awesome and stuff like that but Baltimore dominated them this game I mean up front to the Giants defensively definitely struggled to stop the run they held Lamar Jackson in check in the air which is really good no Rashad Bateman definitely hurt them and the way that they were playing Mark Andrews I know Mar- I'm gonna say they contained Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews still went for over 100 yards and caught a big touchdown in the fourth quarter but Lamar throws an, a bad interception late after a miscommunication with the center uh, bad snap and just kind of threw it up leads to the Giants the kicking over and then scoring the go-ahead touchdown there but yeah, for the Ravens, just a little disappointed again that now this is your third time and we haven't really fixed this problem. Yeah, I mean, for a team to be trailing for two minutes basically of gameplay, like for them to be three and three, honestly, is disappointing. And I mean, yeah, I think after the Chiefs and Bills, there is a pretty big drop off in the AFC. But I don't know. I think I think yeah, the Ravens easily this game, the Bills game. The Dolphins game, like three, like even if you win two of those, I don't think there's, I still don't think they're in the tier with those teams, but I think like they're clear cut number three, like teams clearly better than a three and three record. But like you said, like you just got to be smarter. You got to put teams away, obviously late in the game when you're up by three an interception, just not going to cut it when, you, when you're playing a team like the Giants who have been playing with a lot of fight, a lot of destiny so far in the season team who, who has shown no quit, like, you're going to give the ball away like that. I think the Giants are a team that show like they're going to capitalize, and that's exactly what they did. So good for them to um, get to five and one. And, yeah, the Giants, Giants are playing good ball right now. I mean, you could argue, I think, 
after the Eagles in the NFC, there's really no – it's like a weird season right now in the AFC and NFC. It's a lot of like – not a lot of – I'd say outside of the, the Chiefs, Bills, and Eagles, like no one really like is like elite like in previous years. But, yeah, you can make an argument the Giants are as good as anyone right now. I wouldn't say they're better than like Dallas or the 49ers yet or like teams like that, but you can make an argument there in that conversation to be like the top two, top three teams in the NFC right now. But we'll see uh, how the season goes. But right now they're, they're playing really good. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with the Giants in the sense is that you're going to look at a lot of the metrics and stuff and be like, oh, they're getting outgained here. They got dominated in this. It's just a team that's going to grind in week, week in and week out and just continue to adjust. Like, again, this is another example going from the first half to the second half where they're like Brian Dable just shows again why he should be the front runner for coach of the year. Wink Martindale on defense, changing things up, getting after Lamar Jackson a little more. They didn't run the ball particularly great in this game. It was more of a, like Saquon Barkley's longest run on the ground was eight yards. It was more of a game again where they're going to just get a solid three, four yards of carry and let Daniel Jones kind of play within himself too. And again, Daniel Jones, like it's, the Giants passing game volume wise has been not good. Like they're not throwing the ball a ton, but Daniel Jones has been efficient and effective when he's asked to throw, which is pretty impressive considering that Kenny Galladay, their $72 million receiver is a mess. Kadarius Tony is, I, I don't know what, like he just doesn't play anymore. It's like, where's Walt? Like it's a shame that this guy can't get on the field. Wandale Robinson finally got on the field this past week and actually scored a touchdown, had a nice also third down route where he ran like a spin and was able to get open. That was really nice, hopefully promising that he can get involved in weeks to come. Along with him, Daniel Bellinger, a fourth-round rookie, scored another touchdown this week. He looks like he's kind of exceeding expectations. Obviously, rookie tight ends, that's only a tough transition, but he's done a really good job blocking. I think PFF has him as like their fourth highest tight end grade out of all tight ends, which is really impressive, again, for a guy who's taken in the 100s. I think it was like pick 110, I want to say. But Dexter Lawrence was somebody, again, who really stood out in this game. Him and Andrew Thomas, two of Dave Gettleman's former draft picks, really showing up this year, along with, obviously, Barkley and Jones. So, I mean, do I think that the Giants are the second-best team in the NFC? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go that far yet, but I'm think, I will say this, that, like, the, the if you're in the NFC, you just don't want to play the Giants because they're not going to go away. And they continue to prove that, that even though it's a double-digit deficit and they might not have these weapons that can go score – like go march down the field on you in a minute, 30 seconds and go put up a touchdown. It's just a team that is just so resilient and like they're bad and they're battle tested now. Like this is not going to be a team that like you're going to want to play down the stretch. Yes. Do they need some other, like they need Tony back if you ask me and Robinson at a full snap count to help that passing game enough where like maybe I can talk them into being the second best team in the conference. But for now at five and one with a really favorable schedule coming up with Kevon Thibodeau finally getting in the sack column of the strip sack at the end of the game. I think that the Giants can make some noise potentially in the NFC. And I think that, again, revisit this in five weeks because they have four weeks, their next four games and their bye over the next five weeks. You're going to look at the Giants record almost two thirds of the way through the year. And you're going to be like, wow, like this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to be clear, like, I didn't say the Giants were the second-best team. Like, I'd still put Dallas, the Niners, and, I mean, I put the Vikings over them just because, like, I don't think the Vikings got, like, heart like the Giants do. But, yeah, I mean, I remember uh, talking on this podcast after they lost to 
No, I think it was wasn't Dallas. They were yeah, they were three and one. It was after they beat. It was after they beat um, the Bears, Chicago. Right? Yeah, they beat mm-hmm. Chicago. And yeah, I was like, next two games they could split. Like that's really good. And they end up taking both of them against two what were supposed to be playoff teams. So yeah, I mean, you look at their next four weeks. I think maybe at Seattle, maybe at Jacksonville, a little tough game. But like I'd say at worst, I don't know. I can't see the Giants losing. At worst, going worse than two and two, and that would still put them at seven and and three. And I think they could they'll do better than that. So yeah, I think the Giants have put themselves in a favorable spot to. Uh, I mean, it's still early, but to like yeah, definitely put themselves in a good position to get a wild card spot. If because Philadelphia, I mean, they just don't lose right now, but <laughs> they're up there right now and playing good ball. Like you said, I think this team not like talent wise on offense. I don't think they're as like talented as some other teams, but yeah, they're a team that like just doesn't go away. And even when they're down 10 points, 13 points, like I think that team believes Brian Dable believes like they're still in the game and that's what they've done over the last two weeks in the whole season. So I think they're going to yeah. keep it. Going. Yeah. I hope so. Like I said, I think the biggest thing at the end of the day will just be outside of Saquon Barkley, who on offense can maybe catapult them to where they can hit a home run if they need to, or consistently they can go to on a third and eight and just they, they can go make a play. And that's what Kadarius Tony could so be. He could help this offense so much. But we'll move off the Giants and we'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals, who scored twice in the last four minutes of this game, headlined by a Jamar Chase 60-yard touchdown with under two minutes left to play to come back and beat the New Orleans Saints 30-26. to Core, I mean, it's the Bengals again at three and three. We've kind of said they've been a little up and down this year. You know, I mean, you had a tough performance early in the year with the Steelers opening week, but they're a team that just doesn't go away. I mean, it's just that seems like it's been a reoccurring theme over the past really two years in the sense that the Bengals, late in games or whatever, are able to come back in them. Their defense did just enough. And I know 26 points maybe isn't something to write home about against New Orleans Saints, but they needed a couple stops late in this one and they got them. Again, they're not, like, wowing me at all this year. I don't think this is a reigning AFC – I don't want to say – AFC champion team, you know what I mean? But, like, they're doing enough, I guess, maybe in the AFC that, like, they're just hanging around enough. And then when hopefully when everything starts completely clicking – because, that's again, I wouldn't say at this point that everything's clicking, but Burrow did play his best game of the year, so maybe that's a sign of good things to come. Yeah, I agree. I think the Bengals, like, like, they haven't looked – like a reigning AFC championship team that was in the Super Bowl. But I still think this team, obviously they started off 0-2, beat the Jets in week three. Like I think their team kind of like still finding themselves. I don't know, the offense in this game like late looked pretty good. I think this was a game, I don't know. I mean, I'm a Joe Mixon fantasy owner, but I think when you have receivers, I know I don't think T. Higgins really did much in this game. Um yeah, but, like, when you have Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, I think that's, like, got to be one of the best trios in the NFL. And you have Joe Burrow, a guy who could clearly air it out. I don't know. I think they've been giving Mixon a lot of carries. I think in this game he only got eight carries. I think that's, like, should be their recipe for success. Like, I don't think you should – like, I think Mixon's good, but I don't think he should be getting the ball unless you're up. Like, he should not be getting 25 to 27 carries. Like, He's gotten that a few games here. I think this is a team who should lean on the passing game. I think when you got like skill players like that, you could get Mixon involved in the passing game, but I don't think he's got to be getting that many carries. Like Joe Burrow threw the ball 37 times in this game. Uh, I think, 
I think that's when they're they're at their best when he's airing mm-hmm. it out to those receivers. So I think if they can get back on that track, um, I don't think they're close to to the Bills or Chiefs. But I think you're talking about second tiers. I think the Bengals are in that close with the Ravens. Um, yeah, the defense kind of stepped up late in this game. But yeah, that's that's just like my point. I think the Bengals when they throw the ball, I think could be a dangerous team. I don't think Joe Mixon needs to be getting like. 20 plus carries a game even though i have been fantasy i just think yeah i think they got to lean more in the passing game and that's what they did in this game yeah listen i think that's a really good point and you said like this is like this can't be i mean last year they were a high volume pass offense and they were still efficient i think that's something that can still continue and maybe work in the opposite way of maybe like some of their shots then will open up the ground game for mix and i'm sure defenses the way that they're playing the Bengals are kind of enticing them to run it's definitely something i'd look at maybe a little more you know when you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I'm sure that they're seeing, like, two high safeties a ton. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's almost like light boxes begging the Bengals to run. So maybe that's their idea of it. And maybe, I don't know, on Sunday they were just like, oh, well, like, we're going to still throw the ball. But, yeah, you're 100% right. I think that it's almost like disservice to kind of split this 50-50 here when you know that, like, you just do so well when you're throwing the ball in the air. You know what I mean? Maybe find creative ways to throw the ball underneath that and kind of, like, the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? It's not a run, but if you're throwing screen passes, like screen passes are kind of an extension of the run game. So we'll have to see with the Bengals, but their defense is going to keep them in games. Their defense is like for as much love as Joe Burrow and company get, like their defense has done a pretty solid job really over the past. I don't want to say the whole two years, but towards the end of last year, they really came on. And then in the start of this year too, I think 26 points is the most points that they've given up this year. So they were able to still win for the Saints. Going to have a couple questions at the quarterback position this week. I think Andy Dalton is going to be going to get designated as questionable going into this one. Jameis, who knows? I think they def- desperately need Jameis back as well as Michael Thomas too. We know Chris Olave in this one scoring twenty six points is pretty impressive. So hopefully, sign of things to come for the Saints, uh, like better things to come. But who knows? They have a short week playing on Thursday this week. The last game that we'll touch on with another comeback with the Indianapolis Colts scored a touchdown with 17 seconds left to take the Jaguars down 34 to 27. Alec Pierce, the rookie out of Cincinnati caught a big pass for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that was showing a lot of promise at two and one. They've dropped three straight games and you could argue that they should have won two of them with the Houston Texans being one of them at home. And then this one with the Colts, I mean, they dominated them on the ground. They ran for 243 yard score, but Matt Ryan, had his best game as a Colt, almost 400 yards in the air, threw the ball 58 times with no Jonathan Taylor. Um, Michael Pittman went ballistic. I, again, the Colts, they, you could argue that the Colts, again, should really, they're 3-2-1, and one, they should be 0-6. And, and I think it's so funny because, like, in past years, the Colts, I thought, like, last year I thought the Colts were so much better than their record. This year I think the Colts are so much worse than their record. The fact that the Colts are, like, were able to come back and win this game, if you ask me, was kind of gross. But, again, it's a testament to – you can look at the Giants, if you ask me, at 5-1 and one, and be like, all right, this team's like maybe doesn't deserve to be 5-1, and one, but like – and maybe they're not a 5-1 and one level team, as you might call it, but they're still winning games and grinding them out, whereas a team like Jacksonville, like, isn't. You know what I mean? Like, Jacksonville could like should be winning certain games like the Texans, like the Colts, that they should be, and they're ultimately not. And that's – I don't know. That's kind of like a difference, if you ask me, of like – like, I, I don't like sometimes when people like kind of like knock down a team because they're like, oh, they just like – like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, they got lucky or whatever. They tried to, like, took advantage, of, but only winning close games and stuff like that. Well, guess what? Well, the, like, the teams that don't do that, like Jacksonville right now, just aren't good. Like, that's a measure of a good team. So, for Jacksonville, a team that kind of 
look like they could be in control of the AFC South. They got a big game this week against the Giants to get back on track. No, I honestly, I honestly agree with that because I don't think it's lucky. Because if you look at the, you look at stats like at the end of the year, like a team like the Vikings last year, like it's not like them losing close games was unlucky when it happens multiple times. Like that's just a testament to their team and just like not being able to close out games. Like I think, I think winning close games like that, people might be like, ah, it's lucky, but it's obviously not lucky. It's just got to be like having more will, like better coaching, better game planning late in the game to get the win. And the Giants have done that. And Jacksonville really hasn't. I mean, in this game, they had a lead. I think that Texans game is kind of just like a very, very like dull game. But yeah, I mean, in this game, like you got beat by Matt Ryan, who's looked really bad this year. But I, I mean, yeah, I think without Jonathan Taylor, like the Colts rushed for 45 yards in this game. This is a team who leans on the run. And I don't know, like Jacksonville's defense, I guess you could tip your cap to Matt Ryan. But I mean, at this stage, he's not like in his prime. Like he's not Falcons MVP Matt Ryan. Like for him to throw the ball 58 times, you, you threw for almost 400 yards. Like you just got beat by him when that's not even this team's like strong suit. So I don't know. I think. They got to go back to, to the drawing boards and um get ready for, for the Giants. But it's definitely a tough loss. And for the Colts, I mean, you could say they have played really bad like all year. But you look up, they're 3-2-1 and one in a pretty weak division. So, I don't know. I think for the Colts, you got to say, like, the mentality has to be like it's only up from here. Like, we can only play mm-hmm. better. We're still 3-2-1. and one. And um, see where they take it from. Take it from here. I think Jonathan Taylor should be back this week. So they can get a huge boost in the run game. I don't know about Naheem Hines, but, um, yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan finally stepped up through for almost 400. Michael Pittman establishing himself as a number one wide receiver, which I think we've known. But, yeah, I mean, the Colts get the win here. And, yeah, I think in this division they're, they're looking pretty good despite not even playing good ball through six games. Yeah, I mean, that is the most important part. I could say that the Colts – could be 0-6 right now and maybe should be 0-6 the way that they've been playing. But if you spin zone it on that sense, the fact that they are 3-2-1 and and set up as number one in the AFC South right now is remarkable. And if they look themselves in the mirror and are like, guys, like we're not playing our best ball and we're still in first place. Like imagine what happens when we start clicking, which who knows? But yeah, Matt Ryan, hats off to you, I guess. I don't know. I mean, after just I think it's so funny because after watching Matt Ryan on that Thursday night football game, the week before, and then seeing him throw for 400 yards. It's just like, you know, I don't know. I just think that's so funny. But we'll bring it back to the NFC here, Court. Kind of talk about some teams that disappointed this past weekend. We're going to talk about two, the two that we thought were really upper echelon in the NFC. First, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers 20-18. to They threw for one touch. Like, they scored one touchdown in this game, and it was late in the fourth quarter. They settled for four field goals. What makes that more disappointing is that Pittsburgh still didn't have T.J. Watt. They were also down, I believe, their top three corners, and they were down Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't, I know Pittsburgh sometimes is a tougher play. That is just completely unacceptable. From a Tom Brady offense that's finally healthy, they got back Mike Evans. Chris Godwin was good to go. Russell Gage is even playing. I mean, that's just pathetic. There's just nothing else to like. I don't know. There's nothing else to it if you ask me there. This is a Buccaneers offense that has been awesome on, since Tom Brady has came over there. But you gave them some leeway in the beginning of the year. And, yes, I understand that they still have some 
pieces up front that are still getting acclimated, but I don't know. Like that just leaves such a sour taste in my mouth to only put up one touchdown and have to settle for all those field goals for a team that seems like it's been so good in the red zone because they had Mike Evans. And I mean, maybe that's where Gronk is missing a little bit. You know what I mean? So they need somebody else. I, I guess I don't know, maybe one of their tight ends to step up. I know Cameron Braid's dealing with injuries. I forgot who the one of the young tight ends that they have there, but I don't know. And then the Packers, I mean, core, sure, Jets absolutely dominated them, and they didn't like the Jets didn't throw the ball at all, and they still beat them real good. Quinn Williams had a huge day there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear your take on both this Buccaneers and the Packers, both at three and three, and like it's not it like them being at three and three comparative to the Ravens being at three and three. If you ask me, like, you know what? I, like those aren't. Equal three and threes, if we want to say. Like the Buccaneers and the Packers have been severely disappointing at three and three. Where the Ravens, you're like, you could see how they could, like, they're better than their record. But I don't, I don't know. Both of these two teams are beyond disappointments, if you ask me so far through six games. Yeah, man. Like, I hate to say it, and I don't want to sound like I'm like overreacting, but like, I really don't think it's an overreaction. Like, Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old, Tom Brady is 45 years old. Like, I think like these guys, like you got to realize these guys are getting getting older. And at the end of the day, like eventually, like you can't play until you're like seventy years old. Like eventually, there's gonna be a fall off a little bit. And I think both these guys are clearly hitting that. I mean, both teams have looked pretty bad through six games. Like at least their offenses have not been good. Like not generating a lot of big plays. I mean, Rodgers. I saw, like, Ryan Clark on ESPN. I thought he made a good point. Like, he said, like, the Packers are still playing like they have, like, Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers is just, like, so good. He can just, like, get it to these receivers. Like, these guys aren't Devontae Adams. Like, Romeo Romeo Dobbs, Allen's are. Like, you don't – like, there's not a legit number one wide receiver on this team. Like, I think what he said, like, you got to – they got to, like, switch up the offense. Maybe, like – I think you got to, like, get Aaron Jones heavily involved. A.J. Dillon, like – these receivers are not Devontae Adams, and they're playing the same way. And if you just watch Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. It just seems like he does not care. Like, I don't know. It's just like he's going out there. Looks like he can care less. I don't know. Maybe he, he's getting paid. He's like, I don't have Devontae Adams. Like, what do you want me to do? But I think um, both these teams, I don't know. I really don't see a turnaround. We're like, both these teams coming in, we're supposed to make – potentially make deep runs in the playoffs. Like, the Buccaneers were my Super Bowl – prediction and, and I don't know I don't think Tom, I think Tom Brady's fall off he's kind of happening I know he like just gets a divorce with his wife like if everyone's like ah oh, this guy's gonna play till he's 60 but just not the same right now I mean I don't know what it is but the offense like for them to like not be able to score he scored one touchdown in this game I think that's pretty pretty embarrassing I want to say the Bucks are gonna be able to turn it around but I don't know like if the Bucks played a team like those, both these teams played the Ravens a three and three team I think the Ravens are beating these teams unless it's like an epic collapse. I think the Ravens are a lot better than um, both these teams. And I think for Tom Brady to be yelling at like his offensive line, I really didn't – I didn't like that either just because, I mean, like it's not like Tom Brady this year. I know he's the GOAT. I know he's won seven Super Bowls. But, like he's really not played mm-hmm. how he has like in the past. So I think for him to like try to like embarrass like his O-line while like while the ca- – I know he didn't know the camera's on it, but like – like, I don't know. I yeah, don't but you know, you know the you know people are gonna pick that up if you do that in the stadium. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, obviously. But I just didn't really think that was that was right. I think both these teams are in trouble. Like I think 
the offenses on both these teams, I just don't see them like turning it around and instantly just becoming like top offenses like they were in the past. So I think maybe like the downfall is kind of starting for both these quarterbacks. And yeah, I think eventually it's going to happen. I don't know. I think through six games, I think it's clear. Like I think, I think this year, like it's starting to happen. Yeah. I think it's definitely fair to say that this year, at least unless significant changes are made, like neither of these two teams will be like these vaunted offenses that you're going against. Like they have been, the, like last year, really, obviously, when Rodgers playing at an MVP level and Brady has been playing at an MVP level, I agree. I think that the Packers need to do more with utilizing what they have rather than pretending like they still have certain things. I mean, they clearly missed the void of Devontae Adams so bad. It's just painfully obvious. And for the Buccaneers, again, I think the red zone obviously was a big like point of emphasis. It will be this week in practice, obviously, with three field goals kicking there. Like That's just – that's unacceptable. You got to turn those into points, especially when you have a guy like Mike Evans out there. I think that these two teams obviously are really well coached with Brian Leftwich, who's shown as an offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers over the past couple of years, that they could be an explosive offense and Matt LaFleur in green Bay that you hope as the season goes on, maybe that they've been trying certain things now and they're not necessarily working. And obviously as the season goes on, you know, maybe we just have to kind of like shrink the playbook a little bit and start riding what we really like w- what we're really good at and just go from there. But yeah, they definitely need to kind of look themselves in the mirror and be like, maybe we can't do everything that we've been trying to do over the past couple of years. A team that I also think has to start thinking like that is or are the Los Angeles Rams, also a team at three and three. They won this past week, but again, it's just such a struggle with them offensively. They're going into a much needed bye week. Another team where you can really link into this real disappointment in the NFC because they have nowhere near looked like this dominant reigning Super Bowl champions. So yeah, I think the I think all three of those teams can be seen as pretty disappointing in the NFC. I don't think like a lo- like building off of that, the Niners and Arizona also lost. I know now we're saying five of these teams in the NFC and I'm curious maybe where you put like who you quantify as the most disappointing. I don't necessarily think if the nine that the Niners and the Cardinals should be more disappointing over any of the other three, but I still mention them because I mean, these are both – like, those are five teams that we we're talking about right now that I think I all had them in the playoffs. I think you might have had four of the five in the playoffs. So, I mean, these are all teams that are now three and three or worse that – and, like, I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? You're just not – like, through six games of the year, we're, like, I don't know, we're playing 500 ball. And none of these teams have looked, like, particularly great. Like, the Niners' defense is unbelievable, but their offense is getting a little sluggish at certain times. And with no Trey Lance, obviously, and the Cardinals, I mean, they're just a dumpster fire there. So, yeah, I'm curious out of those five, who do you think is most disappointing? And I know you didn't really get to touch on the NFC West teams, like any of the three specifically there that you're like really worried about. What? So you're saying the the Niners, Cardinals, Rams, Packers, Bucks out of those yeah. five? Or or just a jet. I mean, listen, if there's another team in the NFC that you think is if you really are that disappointed in the one in five Carolina Panthers, be my guess. I can't be disappointed in the one in five Panthers when like expectations aren't even to make the playoffs. I don't well, know. I mean, I'm disappointed that P.J. Walker, I know I sent you this, didn't throw the ball once past the line of scrimmage or once past the line of scrimmage for like one yard, which is ridiculous. But that's why the Panthers don't deserve to be disappointed. Like, that's why they don't deserve our disappointment. But yeah, no. I'll, I'll put you back on track. I don't know. I think all these teams are clearly disappointing. But I don't know. I, I would say 49ers and Cardinals, I'm not going to say, are di- di- as disappointing as the three. Just because I feel like expectations – like. The Niners had expectations, but I don't think they're as high as like the Rams, Packers, and 
Bucks. I'd probably say the most disappointing. I don't know. I'm probably going to say the Bucks. honestly, through, through six games. I think they are honestly like the most likely to turn it around. I've said it like in the past. I just think because like they have the best, they have the best skill group out of um the other teams. I mean, yeah, I think they do. I think the Niners have like Debo, obviously, and Ayuk, but thinking you have Godwin, um, Evans, Fournette, like you got you got good skill players. So I think their offense has been the most disappointing. I know it's been banged up, but I don't know. I just think you look at like the games played on Sunday. I think what's more disappointing: the Bucks losing to the Steelers or the Jet or the Packers losing to the Jets. I think it's easily the Bucks, considering the fact that. Kenny Pickett, I mean, obviously he's supposed to be their franchise quarterback, which I don't think will happen. Like, he was starting, and it had a lot of injuries on defense. So I think for the fact that this Bucks offense throughout the whole day was pretty, like, kept in check, like just stifled almost. I'd say they're my most disappointing team. But I think I think the Bucks are still better than, like, the Packers. I think – I know the Packers beat them. That was a pretty bad game, I just think. I don't know. I think they're all disappointing. But I'd say the Bucks are my most disappointing team, to be honest. Yeah, I actually can kind of see that. I think actually, if I had to, like, I think the Bucks, they definitely are better than the Packers. And I think they will be better than the Packers. I even think you could say the Bucks at this point might be better than the Rams. But I think you could also again say that the Buccaneers still are more disappointing and stuff. The Rams, I'll just touch on specifically. They go into their bye week. They've never needed more coming out of it. They have the 49ers, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals. So, I mean, again, those are – I've just mentioned four of those five teams that we just mentioned as disappointing will now be playing each other over the like the next month, which is big again. Like we said, like we said a third of the way through is a pretty decent like sample size, but now we're going to see some real tests, and there is still time to adjust and stuff. And I think that the Rams, with other offensive line troubles, maybe they bring in another weapon. Who knows? I know there's been rumors of the Christian McCaffrey trade that I don't even want to touch on because I just think they're like – far-fetched i really don't see mccaffrey getting dealt to be particularly honest but with that being said van jefferson comes back hopefully their offensive line maybe gets a little bit healthy i know they lost uh noton bloom their left tackle he got carded off i'm not 100 percent sure like if it's season ending or not i didn't look too far into it which is not good for them at all but yeah i mean these teams in the nfc the nfc is open enough where these teams at least do have enough time to really come back and kind of regain their I don't want to say they're thrown because I think the Eagles are going to finish like at this point. Honestly, like they 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 have a really big lead, obviously, to the number one seed there. But like, just come back up to the upper echelon of the NFC. But right now, core before we move on to the Chiefs and the Bills game, who is the second best team in the NFC? Would you say? You know, I think I want to say Minnesota, but I just I'm not sold on Minnesota. So. I don't know. I'm really going to ride Dallas. I know they lost to the to the Eagles, but I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and Dallas has been playing with a backup quarterback. I think – I don't know. I don't know if Dak's good, but I think Cooper Rush um, on Sunday Night Football, like, didn't play great. I think he showed, like, some fight later. But I don't know. That defense, I think their, their pass rush is just absolutely elite. I think if they get Dak Prescott back, I don't know. I think they're the second-best team – in the NFC, despite, like, they usually have problems winning games in the playoffs. I think right now, on paper, and not, like, I test, I'm going to go with the, the Cowboys, my second-best team. Yeah, that's a pretty good take, and I'm actually going to go with one of like, – I feel like 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to give an answer. I don't think the Vikings necessarily are the second best team because I think if, like the Buccaneers played the Vikings, I really, I truly think the Buccaneers are going to be okay. By the way, so I guess if, like if I had to lean that certain way, that's why I didn't call them my most disappointing team in a sense because like I think I probably will ride with them right now as the second best. Team, as crazy as that is, uh, just also going off the fact of like Tampa, I think Tampa defense is probably better than Dallas is. I know Dallas's defense is awesome. I mean, look what da- look what Tampa did though week one when Dallas was kind of healthy at the quarterback position in their only game. Dak Prescott really struggled. I know that they were missing Gallup and some other pieces on the offensive line, but still. So I guess I'll stay with Tampa Bay reluctantly. And then who would I put? I, I would agree with you though, that I would put Dallas over Minnesota. And then, I don't know, it's just like a huge – obviously I think the Giants start to get into conversations. I don't think the gap between the Giants and Minnesota is that big. I, I don't even think the, the gap between the Giants and Dallas is really that big either. I think that – there's a lot of teams that you could put at number two. And I think that the Giants are more of a conversation if you ask me to put at the second best team. Then, to be completely honest, the Packers right now and the Cardinals as well. Even the Niners, maybe not the Niners because the Niners defense are so good. But, like, I mean, you could even argue the Rams. The Giants through six games have been severely better than the Rams. I know that the Rams schedule has a little bit, been, been a little bit harder. But, I, like, again, I just don't think it's particularly close. But well, let's finally move on to this Bills-Chiefs game. We mentioned that it was kind of a different style of a game. It was more – of a slower, not as fast-paced of an offensive game. I know early on in this game, the defenses got a couple starts, but uh, got a couple stops. But late in the game, Josh Allen throws a touchdown to Dawson Knox. Taron Johnson picks off Patrick Mahomes on the ensuing drive. And the Bills leave Arrowhead with a 24-20 victory. Maybe a little bit of revenge from last year. But, yeah, like I said, I think it, it was a good football game. Don't get me wrong. I think maybe the people who were expecting the – 42-39 finish, didn't maybe get what they wanted. But at the end of the day, we still saw two quarterbacks still have a chance to win the game. Josh Allen brought his team down late in the fourth quarter when Patrick Mahomes ultimately was unable to. I know Josh Allen, too, on that game-winning drive. I think he hurdled oh, – I can't remember exactly who he hurdled right there. But it's just it, it's actually just completely unfair how Josh Allen could throw a ball 65 yards on the run and then hurdle like kicked. I, I don't want to say it was Nick Bolton because I really don't think it was, but it, it was just like, again, it's just like a jaw-dropping thing. Like, how the hell does that guy do that? Yeah, both these quarterbacks are amazing, but I think I think Josh Allen, like, you look at, like, he's just like a freak of nature. Like, he could do things. I don't know. I think I, the thing, like, when you compare these two quarterbacks, I'd honestly got to give the edge. To Josh Allen, I think he could do a lot more things that Patrick Mahomes can't do. That like Patrick, like but Patrick Mahomes, you get him trusted. Like Mahomes could do them. I think Allen could do a lot of things that Mahomes can do. But I think there's decent amount of things like that Allen can do that Mahomes can't. Like Mahomes is not hurdling guys like that. He's not trucking guys. He's, I mean, you, I think even if you're going to compare arm strength, like I think Josh Allen's got a stronger arm. I think. The thing about Patrick Mahomes, he's very like flashy. He makes a lot. He, he make like he's good at making like tough situations, like something out of like nothing. Like he'll do the, the sidearm pass. I think maybe that's like one thing. Like Josh Allen, maybe not great at. Like he's good at like changing his arm angle. Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know. I'm honestly taking Josh Allen like to lead my team right now over Patrick Mahomes. And I think these two two quarterbacks are definitely the top two in the league. I think. Why the the two best teams in the league? But yeah, I think this game was it was pretty it was it was a good game. I think yeah, I think fans were probably expecting a higher scoring game, but both these teams defenses showed up. I think 
The Bills obviously have a good defense despite like some secondary issues. I think the Chiefs defense is a little underrated, but yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a preview of the AFC championship game. I don't see any teams beating these teams. Um unless somehow, I don't know. There's no way these I think these are gonna be the top two seeds in the AFC. So I think that's they would have to meet in the AFC championship game. I'm gonna say like last year, it's kind of a shame that these two teams met in the divisional round instead of the mm. championship um, round. So, yeah, I think through six games, I'm confident to say, I know I already said the Bills are going to be 17 no, but like, I just, I don't know. I don't see any, any of these two, I don't see anyone beating these two teams. I think they're just on another level um, from every, from everyone in the AFC. So I hope this is like a preview of what we see in the AFC championship game. Cause if that is like, well, We'll have a great game. These two teams are our elite teams. Yeah, listen, I hope so. I think that the big thing for the Bills, too, in this one, they didn't have Von Miller back in January. They bring in Von Miller this year. Two sacks, which, again, that's huge production out of him to get after Patrick Mahomes. I thought the Bills obviously also did a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage, controlling even the game on the ground, which we get caught up sometimes in how great these quarterbacks can be in a sense. You know, that some of these teams sometimes they just like, forget to run the football in a sense. Like, why would you run the football? But the Bills remain dedicated to running the football, and they ran it pretty well. Devin Singletary, five yards a clip, which is pretty impressive. Stephon Diggs continues to be one of the top receivers in the league. I mean, you can look at that, too, and be like, Josh Allen still has his number one weapon where the Chiefs lost, obviously, Tyree Kill on the outside. I don't think that was necessarily a huge, like, you know what I mean? I don't, like, I thought maybe that this could be a game where it was like, all right, this is one of those that the Chiefs absolutely needed. Tyree Kill, and, like, you'll see why they missed him. I wouldn't say that necessarily. I know Juju had a really long touchdown. Not the same – not along the same lines of what Tyree Kill would normally have, his 75-yard bomb. But, like, I thought the Chiefs were still fine without that sense. I thought – again, I think that both these two teams, I, like, they, they play each other. It's going to be – it should be an absolutely incredible game. And they should be, like – it doesn't have to be – all the points, you know what I mean? These defenses can still come up with big stops and stuff. So I think that hopefully they'll be back in the AFC. I agree with you. I think that I mentioned all earlier that Baltimore is probably the third best team in the AFC, but I think it's a pretty sizable gap between Buffalo, Kansas City, and then the rest of the AFC. So hopefully we get to see these two teams back. Maybe we will see it a little bit of a different light. Maybe we'll get some more points in the next one. And no Gabriel Davis, 200 yards and four touchdowns. That that did not happen this past week, although he did score a touchdown, which was good for Gabe Davis fantasy owners. I wonder who those are, Core. <laughs> Moving on real quick to our last thing, the primetime games. I mean, it just – it somehow it just gets worse and worse every week. Month, Thursday night was another mess with Justin Fields battling out there, um, missed a couple really easy throws, but obviously got beat up too. I mean, you see a lot of the pictures of him just like – on the ground after he threw that long touchdown pass. But, I mean, the last play of the game, like or the last their last offensive play of the game, Darnell Mooney might have a touchdown if he doesn't bobble the ball. The commanders end up winning. What a gross game. Uh, Sunday night, again, I think, like, it was ugly in the first half. The Cowboys had a, showed a little bit of life, but it, ultimately the Eagles' defense just proved again why, they're, why the Eagles are undefeated to this point. Monday night, too, I mean, the Chargers' offense was so bleh. Like, they desperately need Keenan Allen back, and they need to start pushing the ball down the field a lot more than they do. It seems like they love to check the ball down to Austin Eckler, and I understand you want to play maybe to your – like, Eckler might be your best pass catcher without 
Keenan Allen, but why do you pay Mike Williams $20 million a year if you're not going to take some more shots down the field to him? And like Justin Herbert can throw the ball downfield successfully. I know that the Broncos defense is awesome and they've been one of probably the most underrated unit in the league because the Broncos offense has been so bad, but I don't know. It's just, it seems like every time I watch the Chargers, they're constantly checking the ball down, which is not good when you have a guy like Justin Herbert at quarterback. The Broncos are the offensive. The Broncos defense should actually be allowed to like, I, I don't I don't know what they should be allowed to do to this offense because it's absurd how dominant the Broncos defense has been. And their defensive coordinator, you know, he came over from the Rams, should get head coaching looks because he's been great. I, I think they've given up six touchdowns through six weeks and they're two and four. That is pathetic. So something needs to be fixed desperately in Denver because Russell Wilson looked decent in the first half. And I think he completed 15. Uh, he had 15 yards in the air in the second half and overtime, which is Again, we've taught we've it just seems like I'm beating a dead horse at this point because it seems like we come on here every single time and we say the Broncos actually like how can they get much worse and it continues to get worse there. So, yeah, primetime, please just continue to get better. And I know one of the games this week on primetime is like the Steelers and the Dolphins, which doesn't sound good. So maybe it's a little bit of a, you know, like just please give us something. Uh, the, the Patriots and the Bears are Monday night too. Like that just doesn't sound like an appetizing game. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think. I think you got to. I just. I think this is kind of. I don't want to say it's a down year for the league, but I just feel like there's. It's a down year for offense. Complete. Like it's crazy how we keep talking about how it's like. Oh, it's a quarterback league and college games. It seems like are getting so like higher scoring and receivers are coming into the league, for example, and just already like contributing so much. But like this year, like offense, it just every single point's a struggle. It makes like what other teams are doing like so much like it makes like Allen and Mahomes are that much more important this year because it seems like if you even had like a pretty good quarterback example Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers Matthew Stafford your offense is still struggling with those guys yeah I don't know maybe defensive coordinators just stepping it up I don't know but I just think like that's the problem with all these primetime games like if you're not getting if you're not getting the Eagles the the buff I think Cowboys Eagles like should have been a better game. I think, like, that's a decent game. Like, I can't really complain about that. Like, I don't think it was, like, that bad. Like, I think those are two good teams. But, like, you're telling me, like, outs, there's just a lot of bad teams. Like, I don't know. It's just tough depending on the matchups. Like, if you look at the matchups, like, week in, week out right now, like, there's just not that many good matchups. And you'd be like, oh, this game should have been on prime time. Like, it's just not that many Good ones. Like you look last week, besides the Bills. Okay, Bills Chiefs probably could should be a Sunday night game, but I mean it got like Tony it got like the CBS, like the the primetime like 425 game, but like mm-hmm. Broncos Chargers, like you're scheduling that before the season for week six. You're thinking, oh, this should be a really good game. Like these are two good teams. Mm-hmm. And like you just got Justin Herbert dumping the ball off to Austin Eckler saying it. Nine to ten catches for like four, like just getting no yards, like just like little passes, and then obviously this this Broncos offense is is really bad. I don't know. I think Melvin Gordon not even getting in the like eight yards, so so in the doghouse. He's in the doghouse. Like if you think about it, like this guy was literally at like a 50-50 like carries with Javante Williams. Javante Williams is better than. Latavius Murray and Mike Boone, and then Lata- and then Mike, and uh, then Williams tears his ACL, 
And instead of Gordon getting the lead carry role, he gets absolutely benched and put in the doghouse for Latavius Murray and Mike Boone. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe Melvin Gordon was talking about Nathaniel Hackett's wife. I don't know. Just, like, something must have happened. I don't know. I think – I don't know. I think if, at this point, the Broncos – you probably can't get much. But, like, if I'm, if I'm a team – I mean, Devin Singletary is all right. Like, I'm a team, like, trying to upgrade my run game. I go out and get Melvin Gordon. I know it's not, like, 20 – it's not 2015 anymore. Like, Melvin Gordon is not, like, in his prime anymore. But I still think he could be, like, a productive back for, like, a team who needs, like, some run game if the Broncos aren't going to use him. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Melvin Gordon fan. I think that his best days are behind him. I think that running back situation, though, just speaks to the incompetence of the Broncos coaching staff, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Javante Williams is, if you ask me, unarguably a top 10 running back talent going into the year this year. Like when that guy has the ball in space, I think he like he had one crazy stat about like uh, forced missed tackles last year. I think he was second in limited time that he played. So you're going to have. So, again, we have a guy who's our second round pick and clearly a stud at the running back position getting snaps taken away from him by Melvin Gordon, but then we're going to have a practice squad guy coming three weeks later after Javante Williams gets hurt and take the bulk of the carries or a career journeyman and Mike Boone, who's been around, not really ever gotten consistent touches, take touches, significant touches away from Melvin Gordon. I know Boone didn't really play that much this past week. But I don't know. That just, again, that just speaks to the mess that's going on in Denver and the panic and just like the lack of logic. That's going on there. So Denver desperately has to figure it out. I, like I said, I truly don't think Nathaniel Hackett makes it to a second year. I would, I don't know if he would get fired in the like in his first year. But if the defense continues to keep dominating games and they continue to lose because their offense can't do anything, I, you just have to. If you ask me, like that's gonna be so uninspiring for the defense. Eventually, the this is gonna this could get really ugly because if the Broncos get to like three and eight, let's say or three and not God for like four and nine. And like their defense continues to ball out. The defense is just going to quit eventually on the team. Like they're going to be like, well, we can't play any better. Like how and the defensive coordinator has got to go into meetings and be like, all right, guys, like let's keep working and stuff like that. We got to be able, how can they be better? They give it all the average, give it, giving up a touchdown a game. They've been awesome. So eventually if things don't get better on offense, the defense will quit in Denver, and it is it could get really ugly, especially when you don't have your first round pick this year. So they desperately need to fix something. With that being said, Corey, we will move on to our game picks for this week. Hopefully the Thursday night game is better. It should be all right. The Saints travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals. The Cardinals are two-point favorites here. I mentioned there's some uncertainty at the quarterback position for the Saints. Hopefully Jameis Winston's back for them. They desperately need him. More importantly, if you ask me, they need Chris Olave and Michael Thomas on the outside. Even if it's Dalton throwing to them, that's enough. With that all being said, I will take the Arizona Cardinals here with the two points. The Saints' defense hasn't been the same, especially without C.J. Gardner-Johnson trading him before the year. Tyron Matthew and Marcus May have not been able to fill the void of him leaving, of Johnson leaving, as well as Marcus Williams in the offseason. The Cardinals get Deion- – they lose Marquise Brown. They do bring back DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore is taking a little bit of a bigger share in the offense as well since he's returned from injury. This is a game, if you ask me, the Cardinals just have to look at themselves and they absolutely have to have. Cliff Kingsbury was talking about possibly giving up play-calling duties. I think that's always like a signal of maybe your seat's getting a little hot. I know they extended him and stuff, but this is a game coming off a loss in Seattle where your defense played pretty decent. Like, they hung in there all game, only gave up 19 points to a pretty good Seattle team and, like, a couple big, like, kept Metcalf and Lockett in check. 
But this is a game that you come back home against the Saints team that's bleh. You absolutely have to have this game if you want to keep your playoff chances alive. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals here in a desperation spot at minus two. Yeah, I don't know. I think this game, I don't know. For some reason, I think offense is just down. For some reason, these offenses don't, like, amaze me. So, I think this game should be a pretty low-scoring game. I think maybe this ends like a, I don't know, like a 19-16 type game. Just like a weird, like, in the teens type. In the teens type game, and I don't know. I think the Saints are a team who, I mean, last week I think they they should have won. And then, I don't know. I mean, on the road I think is a little bit of a tough spot. I think their their wins have um, – they did beat the Falcons in week one on the road, but I don't know. Barely, I, though. I know. Like, that, that was a squeeze. I honestly don't love the Saints on the road, to be honest, so. I think this game sh- should be better, but somehow I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. So, I don't know. I'm going to side with the home team in this game, even though minus two seems kind of easy. I think the I think the I think the Cardinals win this game by like a field goal. So I'll take the um I'll take the Cardinals minus two. I think D Hop coming back might help a little, even though I think Marquise Brown getting hurt like kind of just like unlucky for them because you were you were going to get a pretty good one two. Um, wide receiver combo. Now, Marquise Brown goes down, but at least you got D Hop to come and like fill that void a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the Cardinals minus two in this one. All right, moving on to a big game. This is also not a primetime game, but it's like the like, America's game of the week on Fox. The Chiefs travel to San Francisco to play the 49ers. The Chiefs are three point favorites here. Both of these two teams coming off the loss. Obviously, we mentioned the Chiefs one, but the 49ers kind of an ugly one in Atlanta. It was just one of those games if you actually they got down a little early and they were just missing so much on the injury front. I think that will be something to monitor down the down the line as this week gets closer to game time. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, those are guys they desperately need back uh, potentially. If they get those guys back, I kind of like the Niners in this game if they're at full strength. With that being said, I'm not going to go like completely back that yet this early in the week, especially with the Chiefs coming off a loss. I'll stay with the Chiefs at minus three here. But like I said, I think if the Niners can get enough back going into the game, like I said, they desperately need Bosa. Armstead, too, is out this past week. He might be out, though, for a little bit longer. I should have looked maybe more into this. So they need to be healthy. If they could get – they need Trent Williams back and they need Nick Bosa back. And if they can, they can definitely give the Chiefs a run for its money. But with that being said, I will still side with the Chiefs in the spot of them coming off a loss. I know the 49ers' defense is very good, so maybe they'll be able to keep the Chiefs' offense in check, but I think the Chiefs' defense will be able to do enough in this one. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think, yeah, like I don't see – I think if the Niners want to win this game, I think they got to get like a defensive touchdown or at least least like put the – put their offense in a good position to score the ball. Like, I think – I don't think Jimmy G is – like, I don't know. I think the Chiefs defense would be able to hold the 49ers offense in check. I think the Niners want to win. Like, they got to get defensive um takeaways, like good special teams play, like good returns, stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, like, coming off a loss, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So, I think this will be a one-score game. But I'll take I'll take the Chiefs minus three. I think they win by about a touchdown. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah, okay. So, I agree with you there. Like I said, obviously, as I mentioned. And then even, like, on top of this, just, like, looking through some more of the injury things, 
Armstead, they're saying, is pretty unlikely to play. One of their new safeties, too, who came over this year, I can't remember his first name, but he's from USC, Hufanga. He looks like, I don't want to say he's Palomalu, but he looks like Palomalu with, like, the crazy hair. Oh, um, he's, he's in concussion protocol. Trent Williams, they think, will be able to play, though, this week. Obviously, they also did lose Jimmy Ward. That was a couple weeks ago. He won't be there. So, with some question marks still in their secondary, yeah, I'm going to stick with Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then one of my favorite games of the week, in a sense, of I just think it's pretty one-sided. I don't like the Tennessee Titans. I don't think they're that good. But them coming off a bye week, only two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Indianapolis Colts core seems way too easy. A Colts team that is undeservingly 3-2-1. and one. Uh, A team that, like, the Colts have already lost to the Titans in Indianapolis. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Titans here. And I just think that, like, for a team, like, I wonder what their, the Titans record is over the Colts the past three years, but I know last year they beat them both times. It just seems like they had their number. I feel like in 2020, they probably did it too. So I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to definitely take the Titans here. Jacksonville just ran all over them. The hope is that Derrick Henry, a little fresher off this bye week and hopefully Tennessee figured some of the things out on the offensive side of the ball. Cause they were like, again, they were like, I don't want to say clicking in a sense, but like they got a little bit better. Obviously they had that awful game early in the year with Buffalo. So for Tennessee's sake, hopefully they got some things back, sorted things out in the bye week. But yeah, I'll take the Tennessee Titans at minus two and a half yards. And again, I just think it seems pretty easy. Yeah, I think the Titans are a team who hasn't really been convincingly good at all. Like, I don't even know why I rank them in the AFC. I think they're a team who somehow does find ways to, like, win football games. See, I don't know. This game kind of, like, is weird to me because, I don't know, I think in 2020, if I remember, I think the Colts – I think they split and each team won on the road. Um, I remember like one of them was like a Thursday night game, I think, in Tennessee. I think the Colts won it. Um, I don't know. I, for some reason, I want to pick the Titans. But for some somehow, I think the Colts, like I don't think they're really good. But somehow, I think they're going to find a way. I just think they're going to find a way to win the game. So, take the Colts plus two and a half and it went out right in this game, I think. Even off a bye. I think Mike Vrabel is a really good coach. But just something in my head like tells me. The Colts will find a way to win this game, so I'm going to take them. Yeah, Corey, you are money. The only Since 2019, the Colts beat them the first time they played in 2019, then the Titans beat them the second time. That was probably still when Mariota was that quarterback for the Titans. Think about how long ago that was. Since then, the Colts have only beat them once, and that was the Thursday night game in 2020. It was a pretty – the 34-17, to 17, if you were particularly curious about the score that day. So, yeah, I mean, one – like, the last – Four times they've played, the Titans have beat them. So I guess we'll see, but I guess we'll go a little head-to-head action in that game. With that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. Definitely excited for week seven. I think hopefully we can get some clarity after this week. And I say that every single week, but I'm just begging for some of the top teams in the NFC come out and just like, like the Bucks, just go out and be crazy aggressive this week. You know what I mean? Like don't lose being like, scared i don't like when teams lose and being scared so with that being said that's going to do it for today's episode be sure to check us out on the instagram at the deep ball underscore take care everybody have a good one